0: Hey, you're listening to Rocks. God, the world, and other things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is season 13, episode 279. Title, Enjoying Mental Comfort in 2023. My friend, that's my prayer for you, is that you will enjoy mental comfort in 2023. We are under constant assault from media, from news, from places where we work, Someone was telling me about a job they started new just two days ago, excited about the possibilities, the opportunity, and some of the first words out of the manager's mouth in the team meeting, the pre-meeting before they started their shift, was to remind them that he had 70-something resumes in wait. And so what a way to just take someone down. What a way to crush their thinking. What a way to uninspire them, as they started their first day on the job was with someone who has no leadership skills threatening them that they better get the job done because they have people standing in the balcony waiting when in fact in that particular situation they had no one standing in the balcony waiting. And the second day on the shift my friend had to go to the floor to do work as a full employee though they had not been properly trained. So clearly the person was delusional in their thinking, but just mean-spirited. So my friend, this is comfort to you and to me today. Enjoying mental comfort in 2023. And friend, we can do it. Subtitle, God's Goodness Fits the Trouble You're In. This podcast episode is an adaption of the writings of Puritan author Richard Stibbs or Stibbs, S-T-I-B-B-E-S, found in his open source material, Works, Volume 3, I'll have the link to the open source reference in the show notes. I remind you that the website archive.org is a book hound's dream. They have thousands of volumes scanned of open source public domain books. Also, they have books that are still in and under copyright protection, and you can actually check those out online just like you would in a public library. It's an amazing website, and I would encourage you, if you have not checked it out yet, There is so much there, it will blow your mind. As you compare this podcast to his writings, you will see similarities But the Lord is using material like this to inspire me, encourage me, and to expand these writings and take them to a new level for our edification, our well-being, our encouragement today. As we are in the final days of month one, can you believe that? This is the 25th of January. We're in the final days of month one of 2023, almost one-twelfth of the year already gone. This is such an encouraging word We find from King David. He writes in Psalm 27, verse 4, and this is kind of the overarching theme of several podcasts that will follow. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Also, in the show notes is a link to one of the best early praise and worship songs written. It is One Thing Have I Desired, sung by the Maranatha Singers. This psalm is partly a prophecy. It was made after some great deliverance out of some great trouble. The blessed prophet David, having experience of God's goodness suitable to the trouble he was in, in the first part of Psalm 27, expresses his comfort, his courage, and the care that he finds in God. In Psalm 27, verses 1 and 2, he expresses his comfort. He writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Through his limited human words and expressions, David sought to draw acute attention to the comfort he found solely in the Lord, whom he sees as the spring of comfort, and as Paul put it in Second Corinthians chapter one verse four, that the Lord is the father of all comfort. There's something very powerful to me in the word picture that associates the comfort of God like a spring of fresh and flowing water. I had the immense privilege of coming up very close to a herd of elk who had just settled down in the late afternoon around a spring that flowed out of a mountainside in Colorado that was at about 9,500 feet. It was about a thousand feet below the mountain ridge of the summit. We could see the spring's location on the mountainside visible out of our cabin kitchen window. We found the source of the spring by hiking up a beautiful mountain stream that followed a trail of poplar trees. As I came to learn, The poplar trees were actually following the stream down the side of the arid mountain. Poplars are soft hardwoods that are thirsty. They're water-thirsty. If you see a stand of poplar trees, then you are seeing the path of water. It may not be visible above ground, but you can know there is water there. On a previous hike, when we reached the top of the spring where it showed itself above ground, at the beginning of the grove of poplars, we noticed the strong smell of barnyard and clear signs that either deer or elk were using that as a layover point, either during the heat of the summer afternoons or at night. Finally, we caught the horse-sized elk, and I'm not kidding you, they were huge elk, bedding down there one afternoon. What a beautiful sight. As the psalmist put it, it was the perfect picture of Psalm 42, 1, and I taught my boys who were young at that time this verse there in that spring. It says, "...as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God." I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? This ties right in with the psalm that we're talking about today. For impact and our deeper understanding today, David contrasts God to every difficulty and distress. He says, In darkness, God is my light. In danger, he says, God is my salvation. In weakness, he says and declares, God is my strength, my friend in all our afflictions and compressions in life. He is the strength of our lives. Here is the art of faith in all the perplexities of this life. Here it is, to draw this conclusion within our own hearts, where we realize that God is the comfort and cure for every malady in ourselves. And with bravado and gusto, we can, with confidence, speak to our own souls and challenge every thought that seeks to take us down. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It's a question proceeding from a holy insult and daring of all other things. It's like a young kid standing on the pile of dirt, playing king of the hill, calling out to the distresses and difficulties that seek to cut us off at the knees. Come on, put up your dukes, I dare you. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? It's not like the cowardly lion saying, come on, put up your dukes. Because my friend, we can say this with great confidence that God is the one who's going to comfort us and bring calm to our souls, to our hearts, to our inner man. When God is my light, my salvation and my strength, then I can put up the shield of faith that's able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one or evil ones because we know that God has this thing. This is one branch of God's comfort to us all, internal comfort. The second branch and ground of his comfort is the goodness of God and the ruin and destruction of his enemies. Now, let me stop right here some who don't know the word of God perhaps will say, Kenny, what on earth are you talking about? That God's goodness in the ruin and destruction of his enemies. One time I preached a message talking about how God uh, visits people like this, and an elderly woman came up to me after the service and just was flabbergasted and, and chastened me. I've never heard of such a thing, Kenny. And back then I didn't have a smartphone. I wasn't able to imed- immediately go to the verses uh, that gave further evidence of God working things out on our behalf like this. And I told the person, I said, if you would just be patient with me, I will gather together the scriptures and come by and visit with you and show you what the Bible says. Even when they saw what the Bible said and says, they would not receive it as the truth. And so they lived in this self-delusion that all people are great people. All people are good people. All people have the best intentions in their heart. And yet that is absolutely not the scriptural truth. King David said in Psalm 27:2 when the wicked even my enemies and adversaries came upon me to eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell. My friend that is strong terms regarding the people that David King David was truly dealing with that they came upon him to eat up his flesh and yet what happened to them they stumbled and fell. He describes his enemies by their malevolence that means their their bad character their bad actions And also by their ruin. David's enemies were cruel enemies. They were bloodsuckers. They were eaters of flesh. We have a term for this today. We call them cannibals. My friend, we need to mark this down deep and ingrain it in our souls. People who have not experienced the grace of God that's only accessible by accepting the resurrected Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, if they haven't done this, If they have greatness in this world, and my friend, we're seeing this come to spades right now in our country, people that hold positions of great power, but yet they don't know God, what are we seeing happen? That as others seek to oppose them, then their greatness in human terms is inaccessible. They appear in all terms to not be able to be taken down. One person is devil to another. The scripture calls them in Zephaniah three, three wolves that leave nothing till morning. As the great fishes eat up the little ones, so great people have no more conscience of eating up other people than of eating bread. They make no more bones of overthrowing others and ruining them than of eating bread. Now, my friend, that Stibbs or Stibes wrote this back in the 1600s. This was his experience then. Can you imagine how much more in the outpouring of evil that we see in our day that this is the truth? And my friend, we will come to a place of comfort and peace and happiness when we begin to become honest with ourselves that, first of all, that when our minds are under assault by external actions or even by words of self-condemnation, that as we turn to God for His strength, for His salvation, and His for, for His comfort, and for His light, that He brings comfort to our souls. But also when we face the reality of how things are externally, that there are people like this that walk the planet. And we understand that though they have great power here and mano a mano, that means man to man, that we are no strength for them. And and let me stop right here and say, dear friend, that I know people and I've known people in my past that have a sense of bravado, a false sense of strong bravado that says that no one can overtake me. And dear friend, I am here to tell you that you may be the baddest person on the block, but there is always going to be someone in Satan's realm who's badder in this world. They're willing. They're willing to take it to the next level. I remember one time my friend Lex Landers, who is still a dear friend after all these years. We were going to, uh, we were driving to Wichita Falls to see his mother, who was not in great health. But also, we had tickets to see Toby Mac and Third Day in concert at the arena there in Wichita Falls, and it was an amazing little arena. But as we got on the freeway coming out of Grapevine, Texas, headed north west that there was a car coming on the entrance ramp, a large SUV. We were in a 1995 Jeep Cherokee, which I actually bought from Lex, and I still have to this day. And we were in the Jeep Cherokee. Lex was driving, and this guy was coming up beside us on the entrance ramp in this large SUV, and he just proceeded to move forward. And as the entrance ramp began to run out of space, he became closer and closer and closer to us, in this Jeep Cherokee which is about half the size and Lex looked over and said what in the world is this guy doing he knows he's got to yield to us we don't yield to him it was heavy traffic and I'm telling you that this guy never let off the gas and then at a point he looked over to us when we were almost ready to make contact with our vehicles and just had this sinister grin my friend I'm telling you it was evil And he was making it known, let's go for it. I'm not backing down. And it was hideous. I've seen that type of outpouring of evil in very limited ways. It was shocking. And so, dear friend, we have to come to grips with the fact that this is the world that we live in. And sometimes there are people in our realm who are strong, who are strong in the world's terms. They are great. Their greatness in human terms is inaccessible, one person being a devil to another. Psalm fourteen, verses four through six echoes this statement about them. It says, Will evildoers never understand? They consume my people. This is God talking about these evildoers consuming his people as they consume bread. They do not call on the Lord. In verse five, then they will be filled with dread, for God is with those who are righteous. In verse six it says, You sinners frustrate the plans of the oppressed but the Lord is his refuge. But friend, the thought doesn't end there. We need to embed in our core processor, our human soul, our heart of hearts that despite their cruelty, King David reminds us that these powerful evil ones, they will be overthrown. David says, when my foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. You can mark this down. One of our greatest needs in life is for deliverance from powerful people who seek to do us harm or to do harm to someone in our sphere of influence who are close to us. If Satan can't touch you, he'll go for your family. We need to always, with confidence, pray to God and ask him for his protection and action on our behalf against troublemakers and evildoers. Because the reality is, when God's children are delivered, it is usually by God's mean of the confusion of their enemies. God does two things at once because the special grievance of God's children is from inward and outward enemies. God's most frequent means of deliverance for His children from outward enemies is the confusion of their enemies. In this, we can find and know the comfort of our Lord, to know that God Himself is going to stir things up by sending bamboozlement into the camp of His enemies. If someone is trying to pick a mental, verbal, or physical fight with us, they are picking a fight with God. My friend, God is the 900-pound gorilla in the room that the inorganic ones can't see until it's too late. I watched a whiteboard video talk recently where the narrator called the evil ones inorganic ones. What a powerful, accurate, spiritual, and ultimate descriptor of a person who walks this planet that is ultimately destined for eternal punishment in hellfire. They are sent there by the holy, righteous God because their body is alive, their soul is alive, that core processor that is their essence. It's alive, but their spirit is dead. Without a living spirit, they can't enter into heaven. So, in a very real spiritual sense, they are the walking dead. They're inorganic. There's no life in them. There's no spiritual life in them. It's no coincidence that the TV series by the same name, The Walking Dead, was so popular. It's amazing that people are so fascinated by the ghoul that is shown by people walking the planet in an automaton death and destruction. Friend, you must come alive that many of these themes floated by a lost Hollywood have their origin in The Prince of the Power of the Air. Now, I'm not saying that Satan is behind every movie, but dear friend, you can go back as far as the Transformer movie, etc. And all these apocalyptic visions, where do you think they come from? They come from the prince of the power of the air who knows the word of God well. And he's actively massaging the minds of humans to have no fear of the coming judgment and punishment of the real, all-powerful, righteous, holy God. He's like a bad party animal. Satan knows his future condemnation is sealed, so now all he has left is to drag a bunch of sorry friends with him his mission to steal, kill, and destroy, to tear up as much as he can on the way to the fire. Part of the punishment that God exacts on the inorganic ones is that he does not allow them to see him in the act of the retribution. That might, in actuality, bring repentance because his mind is set against them in their evil ways. That is not to say a wicked, evil person can't change or be different. I'm reminded that the Apostle Paul, as a model Pharisee, a chief ruler in the Jewish community in the first century Palestine, saw it as his job, the zealous responsibility to track down every follower of Christ and have them murdered. He did this evil over and over until one day on the road to Damascus, the resurrected Lord physically appeared to him and called him out. And Paul was radically saved in a moment and transformed into the soldier of light, salvation, and strength, the very thing we're talking about today that comes from God. Then his mission going forward was to seek out lost people for the salvation of their souls. But friend, a truth we must come to if we are to thrive in this dark day is to realize that we find our comfort in that God works things on our behalf. And when it comes to mean people, you can most of the time watch him do it by sending confusion into their own lives. This will be most apparent at the day of judgment when Satan and all that are led by his evil spirit, all the malignant church, shall be sent to their own place, and the true church, the body of Jesus Christ, shall forever be free from all kinds of enemies. The freedom of the church, the body of Christ, that is to come in heaven, can be experienced in this life with bravado and gusto if the body of Christ would just wake up, repent of their sin, and find their light, salvation, and strength in God. My friend, here is a big takeaway from today's episode. When the church is most free, then the enemies of the church are nearest to destruction. Like a pair of balances, when they are up at the one end, they are down at the other. So, when it is up with the church, down go the enemies. We should take great comfort today knowing that God desires to bring internal comfort by showing up our minds to know His light, salvation, and strength, and His external comfort by watching Him rout, bamboozle, and confuse our enemies. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.